Me to James chapter 2, James the second chapter. And um, really looking forward to uh, teaching you some things tonight from um, the book of James on the subject of faith. And I appreciate um, the worship team uh, choosing some of the songs that they uh, chose tonight and fit in with that theme and with, um, I believe, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us um, on these Wednesday evenings uh, together. And I appreciate you being here to, uh, to hear it and to receive it. Um, let's begin at verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. That word dead could be thought of in terms of dormant. Um, also, um, you could, one translation, and I don't have it in front of me right now to quote it exactly, but basically it, it translates that word dead to um, unproductive. Unproductive. Um, which, you know, in the original language, it's certainly what one of the meanings of that word. And given the use of the word profit a couple of times. In other words, we're talking about what benefit, what profit, what advantage. Um, not what benefit, profit, advantage does faith have, but, but what does it have um, when it's combined with its counterpart works. In other words, when he, let's go back to um, verse 14. When he's asking can faith save him? We know that salvation comes through faith. But the context of this is, can faith alone save him? Faith without any action, without any effort on the part of the one who claims to have the faith. So we know what it takes to be saved, receive salvation, is to believe in the heart then confess with the mouth. That's where the, where the faith is released. Um, it's, it's, it's through the confession or the action, the, the action of confession that completes the faith, if you will. Uh, later in this, and maybe we'll get there tonight, he says that Abraham, his um, works working together with his faith made faith perfect or made faith complete. It completed his faith and, of course, produced um, the uh, miracle in his life. So we've been looking at this subject, and, and we've been doing it kind of, um, I don't want to say with kid gloves, but it, it is potential for people to be offended, and, and I'm not interested in offending anybody. Um, but we've been looking at this subject of genuine faith and 
we see that the Bible speaks of genuine faith, but it also speaks of faith that is not genuine. Faith that is pretend. Faith that is simulated. Now, some people are just putting on a show. You understand what I mean by that? In other words, some folks are just um, being phony in their love and in their, you know, what they say, and it's all just to try to impress other people. Um, there's another category, though, of pretend or simulated faith, and, and that's where people are genuinely trying, but because they don't really understand what genuine faith is or how it's developed and cultivated in the heart, we have this tendency to, to go to external things first instead of dealing with and allowing the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to deal with the inward part first. Now, the Holy Spirit through James did something very brilliant here. And because he's talking about faith, but notice he asks the question about faith and then immediately shifts to the subject of love. Because he's trying to show us the similarities. He's trying to show us that, that no one would ever consider someone to be exhibiting genuine love if they just simply said to somebody, a brother, a, a companion, a friend, whatever, who literally had no clothes to wear and no daily food to eat, and, and, and said, you know, go in peace, be blessed, you know, uh, some kind of, you know, little cliche, some kind of religious cliche, um, be warmed and be filled, you know. Um, we're just speaking into existence, some clothes on your body and some food in your belly, you know. No, no one would ever consider that to be genuine love. And so by using that as an example, he, he comes back then to this idea of what genuine faith is. Because in the same way that genuine love is, is something that begins internally in the heart, but is then expressed and released, released and expressed through action, he said faith is the same way. Genuine faith begins internally in the heart, but is then released and expressed, expressed and released through action. We know that faith, hope, and love all work in tandem with one another. and We've talked about that. I'm not going to try to go back and reteach that. But for that matter, we could say the same thing about hope. There's a lot of times, you know, what, what people call hope is really not Bible hope. It's not genuine hope. It's wishful thinking. I've been there, right? You know, just, you know, well, you know, I'm just hoping everything's going to work out all right, you know. Well, what does that mean anyway? I mean, I know we should be positive, but if, if our hope is not based upon our Creator, what He has said, what He has promised, what He has spoken in our Word, I mean, we can just have this generalized or random desire. I mean, who doesn't want it to turn out right? Who isn't hoping that it will get better, you know? Um, but that's way too vague. It's way too general. Um, and so, again, we're studying genuine faith and what genuine faith looks like. But just as there is pretend faith, simulated faith, 
and genuine faith. There's pretend love, simulated love, and genuine love. There's pretend hope, simulated hope, and genuine hope. And so, again, the Holy Spirit, through James, um, gives us that parallel so that we can better understand how faith works. Now, one of the things that we see great, mighty men and women of God struggle with, um, and we should not think that we're any less susceptible to this, is the idea that we can somehow compensate through physical effort for a lack of the internal goods that we need. You, you know what I'm, let, me, let me try to say that a different way, all right? Um, I had a conversation with a, with a brother last night. We were just talking about the goodness of God and some different things. And, and um, I'm not sure even how we got on this subject, we, but somehow this came up in our conversation. And, and if, if you look at Abraham, he's the father of faith, right? I mean, he's the example that we're all to follow in the footsteps of. But if you go from the New Testament version of his life back into the Old Testament, you'll see that he struggled with this faith thing for some time, at least in some areas. Now, other areas, he, he caught on to it really quick, but other areas. And, and so we see then that God what promised that they, Abraham and Sarah would have a child. Um, well, and it would be by faith because they were past the age of having children. Um, and you know, Sarah had never been able to have children, and now she was past the age of having children. And so they tried to produce the spiritual promise through fleshly effort. And, and you know how that turned out, right? Abraham has sex with um, Hagar, Sarah's um, servant, and... Um, but again, I'm trying to show you that they're trying to produce something that is spiritual in nature and origin by compensating something that's physical in nature and origin. And God wouldn't have it. I mean, you know, Abraham's like, God, can we just let Ishmael count? And God's like, absolutely not. It's you and Sarah, child of promise, right? Another great hero of the faith, Moses, he knew that he was to be God's deliverer for God's people. But again, he tried to make that happen when he saw an Egyptian abusing one of his Jewish brothers. You know, he killed the man, buried him in a shallow grave. What is he trying to do? He's trying to take something something spiritual that it has to begin internally in the heart by faith and then become an outward expression so did Abraham know the will of God yes did Moses understand the will of God yes where did they make those initial mistakes by trying to produce it through the works or the efforts of the flesh now listen if I'm not trying to beat any of us up but I know I've been guilty of that in my own life, um, I haven't killed an Egyptian or had sex with somebody that, you know, worked for Pam or something like that. That's not what I mean. But I'm talking about trying to produce 
the things of the Spirit, not through the spiritual means of faith, but through the, 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 the fleshly means of, of effort and works. Now, when it comes to this subject of faith, we can very quickly spiritualize our dysfunction. And in other words, we can call our, our fleshly efforts to compensate for a lack of the internal faith in our heart. Um, we can spiritualize it and, and, and you know, look at how spiritual I am, look at what I'm doing, look at the efforts that I'm making, all sort of stuff. And, and if we're not careful, all we've really done is deceived ourselves um, in trying to sub- substitute the outward um, you know, e- expression um, for the lack of the uh, inward genuineness. Is this making sense to you? Are you, are you following tonight? Okay. Now, um, so let's, uh, let's do this. Let's go on to uh, verse 17. What, before I read that verse, um, we said that love, we said this last week, I'm going to say it again this week, love is internal. Doing something to help someone is external. This is love in the heart released and expressed through effort directed towards another person. So love without what love does is dead. What love does without love in the heart is also dead. And in the same way, faith without work, without what faith does is dead. What faith does without faith is also equally dead. Now, verse 17. But someone will say, you have faith and I have work. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the devils believe and tremble. So, in James's day, people viewed works and faith as two opponents, as, as two opposing um, positions. But what James is trying to help us see is that they're not two opponents, but they're two members of the same team that work together, but in different ways. So it's not an either or, but it's a both and. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the devils believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And that word perfect there means full circle or or complete. It was made, um, I prefer the word complete here, perfect, complete. Um, And how do we know it was made perfect or complete? Because of the results that it produced. So, again, the backdrop for our study is genuine faith. One of the first things we've said about genuine faith is that when you 
when you're in faith and the faith is genuine, it, it produces rest. You're not all in turmoil about it. You're not all fretting. And, and, and again, that's not to, to judge anybody or to you know, try to offend anybody. But you know, if, 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 if we're not at rest about a situation, then we're not in faith about it. That's what Hebrews 4 says. We enter into the rest by faith. So we see where Abraham was struggling and, 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 and Sarah and the whole Hagar thing. But of course, we see him also, and that's the beautiful thing about having it recorded in the Old Testament and then you know, have it all pass through the blood of Jesus. And we have the New Testament version. We have um, you know, the full stories for us to benefit from and, um, and learn from. So this word, um, I say word, it's actually two words. Do you see that faith was working together with, okay? That, those two words, um, uh, working together, or I guess we could say three words, put the preposition in there, working together with, all right? Um, that's the translation of, of a singular Greek word, and um, I don't have a slide to put it up, but um, the, the word is sunergeo, S-U-N-E-R-G-E-O, the transliteration in the Greek. We get our English word synergy from it, and sunergeo means what our English word synergy means. And if you understand synergy, you understand that synergy happens when two things come together and by those two things working together, they produce more than the sum of their individual efforts. Don't lose me now. Let me, let me try to explain to you what, what this means, okay? It's a simple, simple example. Um, if, um, if, if, if Paul can produce 10 units of work and I can produce five units of work, you would think that if Paul and I work together that we could produce 15 units of work. But see, you're not factoring in synergy. 10 and 5, but if we work together, we may produce 27 units of work. That's synergy. It's where the, the, the sum of the of the, of the work produced is greater than, um, the total work produced is greater than the sum of its individual parts. So he's saying that, that faith obviously is from God. It's, it's, it's this wonderful, beautiful thing. God doesn't do anything apart from faith. And he's given to you and me the measure of faith. All right? Um, one of the ladies in my class, she shared her testimony this morning before class and I'd never heard this expression before, but um, she, said, uh, she said it this way. She says, I have a mustard seed and I know how to use it. I thought that was pretty good. She goes, I have a mustard seed and I know how to use it, right? In other words, she's, she's got the measure of faith and she knows what to do with it. She knows how to use it. And, um, and, and so it's a, it's a beautiful thing. But he's saying that there is a synergy between faith and works. And with Abraham, we see his faith internal 
working together with His works external. And it created a synergy that produced amazing things, amazing results in His, lives, in his life and in the lives of other people around Him. Okay? So, I know we've said this about the team or the two working together, um, but one without the other, no matter which one it is, is severely limited. Let me say it another way, okay? So, faith without works is dead. I've also said it this way. I've said works without faith is dangerous, recipe for disaster, but... Again, if we're just working without faith, we're limited to what we can do. And God doesn't, didn't create us to, to be only limited by what we can do. So, you know, faith without the works, not getting much accomplished. Works without the faith, not getting much accomplished. But you, get, you bring the two together and you have this synergy that produces great results. Now, um, I know I keep saying it over and over again, but faith cannot take the place of works, nor can works take the place of faith. They cannot do one another's job. They both have a job to do. Um, and it's different. But it doesn't mean they're, they're opposing one another. They just have different roles to play on the same team. Okay? Now, let's, um, we've got, I think, enough time to at least begin this. Um, have you ever, let me get a sip of water here. Have you ever heard the expression, Maybe you've thought it or somebody's said it to you. or And, and I know, again, you know, red flag here, just don't hear me out, okay? Don't be offended by this. But the, the statement or the question goes something like this. If you really believed you would, fill in the blank. Um, if you really had faith, then you would. And, and so the, again, what that kind of statement or that kind of thought or thinking um, is, is expressing is that if there's faith in the heart, it will be evidenced by the action or the behavior. Now, that is true. Amen. I, I've used it. I don't know who came up with it originally. Okay. But you had faith that the chair you're sitting in would hold you up. You may not have thought about it, but it was a seamless, natural expression um, of, of belief in that chair's ability to support you. See, there was something internal that translated into uh, an, an external action. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? Now, the, only, the way to really bring that 
into perspective is, especially if you're a big guy like me, you know, there's every now and then I, I come across a chair that I'm not sure about. But, you know, it's like, man, I just think I'll stand, right? You know, I don't know if they still got them at the foundry. They got these little stools that are about this big around, and they got these two legs that cross right here. And I'm thinking, no, no way, right? Okay. Um, and so, again, notice now we're like, I doubt that chair will hold me. And so we either don't sit in it or we're real easy when we, you know, kind of, kind of ease down um, onto it. So the idea is take the if out. When we really believe something, then we will express that belief in our action, in our behavior. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to some extremes tonight just to help make the point. Um, if you really had faith, you would quit your job and go into full-time ministry. Okay? If you really had faith, you would quit your job, go into full-time ministry. Now, that may not mean much to you, but that's, um, amen, something that people who feel called in the ministry, I believe I'm supposed to be in the ministry, Pastor Mark, you know, um, there, there are folks who, who have done it, okay? Um, I don't know. I'm not bragging that I'm just telling you I've done it more than once, okay? Um, step of faith, right? Okay. Um, how about this one? If you really believed you were healed, you would quit taking your medicine. Feel some of you getting a little irritated at me. I'm not trying to irritate you. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to show you something here, okay? As inflammatory or as um, uh, offensive even, potentially offensive as these statements can be, in reality they are expressing a truth. Here's the danger. I'm trying to show you faith without works is dead, but works without faith is dangerous. Here's the, here's the danger. Well, if I really believed I was healed, I would quit taking my medicine. So I guess I'll quit taking my medicine. No, 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 see, wrong. You cannot substitute the work for the faith in the heart. You can't try to go to the outward action of faith if there's not the inward confidence, the inward persuasion, the full assurance in your heart first. You can't substitute the one for the other. Are you, amen, are you feeling me tonight? I, you know, I feel like I'm reading a chapter out of my book to somebody tonight. It's kind of awkward. I'm not trying to be awkward. I'm just trying to help you, all right? So the proper order of this is our works must be an expression of our faith, not a substitute for it. Now, for the, again, for the record, um, more than once in my life, uh, Pam and I have, have walked away from, you know, quit a job, went into full-time ministry. One time in my life, I quit taking the medicine that the doctors told me I would take the rest of my life. I shared that story a few weeks back. And um, within the last six months, actually, the doctor asked if, asked if I would have a blood test just to make sure. 
Absolutely. If I'm healed, there's no reason to be afraid of a blood test that will either confirm it or tell me I ate too much pizza. Right? You see what I'm saying? And the blood test confirmed it. That even though they took almost all of my thyroid out, my blood levels are as if my thyroid is, and I believe there's one in there, but anyway, it's just, praise God. But now, listen to me, please. I didn't just say, well, you know, people who believe they're healed don't take their medicine anymore, so I'm going to quit taking my medicine because faith without works is dead. No, no. Pam and I prayed about this. We, we confessed the Word. We, we, we studied the Word. We listened to teaching on healing. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, we developed the faith inwardly to the point that I was at rest I was at rest, I was at peace, confident now that the faith in my heart could be released and expressed through no longer taking the medicine. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? This is, again, you can't get the cart of works before the horse of faith. You've, you've got to get these things in their right order, in their right sequence. And, and so you, you have people now in the body of Christ who are saying things like that faith stuff don't work because they quit their job and it didn't work out financially for them or they quit taking their medicine and almost died. And, and so now they're saying that faith stuff don't work because, you know, this and that. No, 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 listen, listen to me, please. Matter of fact, I, I, just so you know, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to share some personal experiences when they first found a tumor in my throat, you know, I'm like, well, you know, do I have surgery? Um, or do I believe God? And the Lord told me very quickly, you need to have the surgery. You need to have it sooner rather than later. Okay? So I, I could have, because after all, I'm a, I'm a word of faith pastor. I, I, I'm pastoring church here. I've got to set a good example for these folks. You know, I, could have been, I could have been stubborn and refused to have the surgery. I'm, it was confirmed that I heard from the Lord because what began as a golf ball-sized tumor in my throat, and it was just a matter of weeks before they removed it, it was the size of a baseball, and it was starting to... Um, uh, literally trying, it was trying to destroy my vocal cords. Um, and it was nip and tuck there for a while. So again, I'm just trying to show you, at that point, it would have been very easy for me to say, well, praise God, I'm just not going to have the surgery and, and, and God will heal me. No, see, there was no faith in my heart to believe that. It would have been pretend faith. It would have been simulated faith, and it would have been me trying to substitute. It's, it's all... Can I be silly for a minute? You mean when you was a kid, it's almost like somebody double-dog daring you to do something? Taking a step of faith, releasing genuine faith, you know, express, expressing and releasing that through action, it's not about a dare. I dare you not to have that surgery. That's see, no wrong. I dare you to quit taking your medicine. I dare you to quit your job. No, see, that, that, that's not... Because with a dare, you're like, oh, man, I'm scared out of my mind, but I'm not going to back down in front of these people. That, that's not faith. That's not how faith works. Faith is when you, you know that you know that you know in your heart. Right? So 
I'm, again, I'm not proud of that. I'm just telling you where I was when I received that diagnosis. And so prayed, this is what I believe the Lord told me that I needed to do where I was. So I went, thank God, medicine helped me, doctors helped me, surgery helped me. Um, and then they told me, well, you're going to have to take this medicine the rest of your life. And I started taking it. But I'll never forget, I, we were, I've said this already, but I, for some reason I'm sailing again tonight and I'm about to finish. But we were on a men's fishing trip in Fort Morgan and I was with my dad when I got the call on my cell phone that they confirmed that I was going to have to take the medicine. And we agreed right there in the cab of that truck. I'm sorry, they told me in the truck, it was later in, in the house out on the back deck of that house where we were all staying that I told dad. And we agreed right then that I would start the medicine, but I would not take it. I would not have to take it the rest of my life. Amen. And because again, what am I doing? I'm, my faith is growing and, I'm, and, it, and it's building and I'm getting stronger in faith and I'm becoming more persuaded and I'm feeding that measure of faith that I've been given with the Word of God and, and, until it reached a point where I don't have to take that medicine anymore. I don't have to take that medicine. All the side effects that they said. I, I, Pam, how many years has it been, baby, since I've taken that medicine? It's been a long time. All the side effects. Oh, if you, take that, if you don't take that medicine, this will happen to you, this will happen to me. None of it happened to me. Amen. And again, it's been confirmed by blood tests. But, I'm, but see, if you go out of here saying, Pastor Mark's against medicine, Pastor Mark said we ought to all quit taking our medicine. That's not what I said. Matter of fact, Pastor Mark is saying until, until you're at peace, take the medicine. Take it. Don't be foolish. There's a lot of folks that have been, have been foolish trying to impress somebody with their faith, looking at faith as some dare, Look at how strong he is. No, no, no. See, that, mm -mm, that ain't it. That's not it. That's not what the Bible's teaching us here. Now, I probably could have said all this in two weeks instead of four or five. But that brings us now to what I think is the real question. And that is, how do we get the internal heart of faith, fully convinced, fully persuaded, how do we get that to where it needs to be, the, the horse of faith, so that we can then release and express the cart of faith, which is our corresponding action, our works. We can't, see some folks want, because we, we just like this, I'm like that too, I mean if, if there's a way to cut a corner and get there faster, if there's a shortcut, I want to know it, you know? But there's no, there's no shortcut for this. And if you think doing what faith does without the faith is a shortcut, amen. I'm praying for mercy and grace, and certainly Father has that for us, okay? So our works must be an expression of our faith, not a substitute for it, amen. Let me, I know I'm out of time, let me set us up, and this is where we'll begin uh, next Wednesday, all right? Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In the book of Joshua, we see where <clears throat> God told Joshua, in Joshua 1 and 8, he said, the book of the law, 
God's word shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Sounds like profit to me, right? He's asking, you know, faith alone, is there any profit in faith without works? No, but faith with works, there's tremendous profit. I know some of you are familiar with this verse, but I just, again, want you to see the level of commitment. He said, our work is to believe. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it requires some effort on our part to not let anything come out of our mouth that contradicts what God has said about our situation. Don't let the law depart from your mouth. In other words, if, if we're going to build the faith and increase the faith and, and, and have strong, fully convinced, genuine faith in our hearts, there are some things that we're going to have to do. And the first one is we've we got to just say what God says. I mean, you know, M- Mary said it this way, Virgin Mary, she said, Be it unto me according to your word. So don't let anything out of your mouth that doesn't line up with what Father has said about you and your situation. He said, but you shall meditate in it a few minutes on Sunday morning. Is that what it says? You shall meditate in it day and night. Now, that meditate there, it requires discipline in the mind, our, our minds tend to drift and wonder, you know, you, you'd be thinking about just the most bizarre thing, and you're like, how, what, how did, what, what am I even thinking about that for, right? You know, um, and so it requires an effort on our part to, to keep our minds set, stayed, fixed, on the Word of God, meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. This isn't, and I know sometimes works-oriented people, they hear this and they think, okay, if we just be good, God will do something good for us. That's not what he's, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about keeping the Word of God in your mouth, keeping the Word of God in your mind, and, and then ordering your life and your actions according to it. You, you can't say one thing and do another. Are you, you know, what Jesus taught us, where, where the real heart of faith is, is, is believing that what you say comes to pass. That's, what Je- that's one of the greatest lessons on faith that's ever been taught to humanity. And Jesus taught it to us in Mark the 11th chapter. And he says, if you believe and do not doubt in your heart, not that the mountain can move, but if you believe and do not doubt in your heart that what you say comes to pass, you will have whatever you say. So notice how the devil's wanting you to try to believe one thing in your heart, say something different out of your mouth and keep your words in, in conflict and contradiction. We've got we to tighten that up, amen? 
Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Last one, John 15, 7, Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you, will, what you desire and it shall be done for you. Amen. There's tremendous resistance um, around this because the devil knows the powerful dynamic that exists between the faith, the measure of faith in your heart and the, and the Word of God. And that's why he's constantly trying to keep those two separate from one another. Um, I'm really excited. I thought we'd get there tonight, but we're not quite there, but I'm going to mention it again. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible said that she said within herself continually, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. She said within herself continually. I ask you a question tonight. What are you saying within yourself continually? Because what you're saying within yourself continually is either building your faith or tearing it down. Amen. What I would highly recommend is for you to find, for me, for, uh, time kind of runs together. One of the things that I have been saying within myself continually now, I need to look on the calendar, but it's for the better part of two years, is that I am one with my Father, and my Father is one with me. No intention of ever preaching on that. I just, it's a long story, but I just felt led of the Spirit to begin to internalize that, confess that, meditate, build that image with the Word of God inside of me of someone who's one with the Father, someone who's one with God. Amen. So what are you saying within yourself continually? If you're dealing with some type of chronic health problem, why don't you start saying within yourself continually, Jesus has made me whole. Jesus has made me whole. By his stripes I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. And if I am healed, amen. You thought you, in other words, meditate, mutter, saying it within yourself, saying it within yourself. Such a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. You get anything out of this? See, what, what we need to do is, and I'm not saying that anybody in here is doing it, but it's, you know, it's very easy for us to talk about what somebody else should believe. What somebody else should do. If you really believe in God, you would this. You're, well, it's easy for you to say, right? Amen. But in, instead of that, we, we should be praying for one another, supporting one another, encouraging one another, building one another up. Amen. Amen. Provoking. The Bible says you can provoke another believer to good works. Man, we've certainly provoked enough people to do bad things, right? Let's provoke folks to faith and, and inspire them. Matt and Vanessa, Matt shared a testimony one time and, and just how God had supernaturally blessed them um, with Jesse. Long story, maybe share it one Wednesday night soon, but 
and he, and he was just giving testimony of the goodness of God, the miracle that they had experienced. And, and, and the, oh, my goodness, the people who were offended. I mean, that was so insensitive. Does he not know there are other people in that room who can't have babies? And, you know, and again, the, the point is, it's not to offend anybody. I mean, if, if there's something I'm lacking in my life and somebody else is, is uh, doing, excelling in that area, I want to know what they're doing. I mean, I, amen. When Pastor Rick and Pam Sandretto sold their condo at the beach, I, I told him, I said, man, rub some of that on me, brother. Amen. I got some property I want to sell. Amen. I was serious. I'm, praise God. He did it too. I mean, he laid his hands on me. You know, you see, you see the difference there. I mean, they had faith to sell that, and amen. I have faith to sell mine. Amen. All right. Father, we love you. We thank you for good things. Um, Lord, no, no, no offense intended, and I just believe tonight no, no offense taken. Father, this, this is... This is helping us understand these things. And, and I believe you're speaking to us, and I believe that, that, that we're listening to you. And I thank you, Father, that we're increasing in faith. Our, our expectation is to be stronger in faith, Lord, in the days ahead than we've ever been in our lives and continuing to grow from there. I pray, Father, that as we go about the rest of our week, that everything we put our hands to, to We'll prosper for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being here. I know you could have done other things tonight, been other places. Thank you for honoring Father and what he has for you by being here. Amen.